You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Fifty years ago, when the first cardiac angiogram was done, coronary artery disease was felt to be primarily a plumbing problem. Imaging at that time was used to identify occluded vessels or to characterize the degree of severity of the stenotic lesion. At that time, the studies that were performed produced luminograms, or two-dimensional pictures of flow through the vessel. Let's fast forward 50 years. We now know that coronary artery disease is a much more dynamic disease involving the vessel wall or the endothelium itself. We have many new imaging modalities to help us diagnose and treat cardiovascular disease in 2007, and today we are going to delve into some of those. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, your host. Joining me today is Dr. Mark Carvlin, the Managing Director of Intellectual Capital Development Company. His company provides professional services to assist clients in the healthcare industry to develop and market more valuable products through product and technology assessments, strategic planning, project management, design and execution of sales and marketing programs, and capital generation activities. Dr. Carvlin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Caskell. Tell me a little bit about what is new besides angiograms, besides CT angiograms, which many of us are familiar with. What else is out there that we can start using and is exciting? Well, uh, new and exciting is available uh, today in uh, hybrid scanners. Much as in the computer world, the printer has been combined with a fax machine that's been combined with a copier to get a three-in-one, you have a hybrid systems that combine a CT with a positron emission tomography system, CT and PET. You have a hybrid with a, a SPECT and a CT, so a single photon emission computed tomography, uh, and thereby you can conduct all of the myocardial perfusion imaging uh, studies using the standard SPECT tracers and have the anatomic context that the CT provides. There's also a hybrid system with a PET and an MRI, and there's some talk uh, today about uh, combining a, a CT with an MRI and, and a PET all-in-one. So uh, there's a tremendous amount of uh, technical innovation, and this technical innovation provides cardiologists, radiologists, and ultimately patients uh, with uh, new tools and, and new alternatives. All right, please pick one of what you just said. Tell us a little bit more about it and how I can use it today in my patients. Exotic PET and CT. PET is uh, used, uh, and, and PET-CT are used extensively today to evaluate oncology patients. The use of PET and CT as a hybrid system for the evaluation of the cardiac patient is just uh, evolving. The tracers that are available to be used with uh, the PET system include uh, Rubidium-82, that's commercially available, as well as uh, N13 um, ammonia, which is a more exotic and more short-lived radioisotope and is only available through uh, cyclotron production. So you have to have a cyclotron on site. Uh, what these agents uh, provide is a very accurate depiction of endothelial function. Uh, they are flow tracers, and they are uh, taken up by uh, normal, healthy myocytes through transit uh, across the endothelium. So if there's any uh, compromise in the endothelial function, this is, is uh, rapidly appreciated in the uh, three-dimensional uh, image that is acquired 
by the, the PET scanner. If I have healthy endothelium, intact functioning endothelium that has not been damaged by anything, will my endothelium still light up? Yes. Your whole uh, heart will light up, and this will uh, indicate to the cardiologist that there is good uh, cardiac function and that there is uh, good flow through the vessels. And then you superimpose on the PET study the results of your CT and CT angiography. So then you can display in one set of images the combined PET and CT information. So you have exquisite depiction of the anatomy as given by the the CT, very good visualization of the uh, coronary arteries, uh, very good appreciation for soft plaque, very good appreciation for coronary uh, calcium, uh, as well as cardiac function. So you really have been able to probe um, all of the major indices of uh, health in the functioning heart. It sounds like the perfect test. Yes, uh, it, it certainly provides all the actionable information that a uh, clinician will need in, in order to manage his or her patients. You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill, and I'm with Dr. Mark Carvlin discussing the use of medical imaging to diagnose and manage cardiovascular disease. Mark, can you tell me a little bit more about this perfect test? Uh, I assume that nobody is paying for it currently because it's such a great test. Payment is available from the federal government. CMS has approved payment for each of the tests individually, but there is not currently reimbursement for the entire examination that combines the PET with the CT. So it's not ready for prime time. Or it's ready, it's ready, but nobody wants to pay for it. It could actually save lives and be cheaper than doing angiograms, but with the with the wonderful wisdom of our government and our insurance companies, they'd rather pay more now than later. That's right. But uh, that should not stop us from uh, developing these techniques Uh, We need to amass the preponderance of the evidence that there are genuine benefits to be gained from uh, the appropriate use of this technology. And uh, over time, we can uh, move uh, governments and we can move insurers by the the quality of of our data and and the good care and the good outcomes that uh, result from it. You mentioned outcomes. Uh, we, we know that these tests are great at diagnosing disease and showing us beautiful, gorgeous, futuristic pictures on a computer screen, but have they helped us in monitoring the, the disease progression, and have they actually been linked to actually less clinical events by monitoring the disease process? Tough question. That, that's a very tough question, and that's a very high standard. And yet that's the standard by which reimbursement is gained. I today have to tell you that we have not attained that standard in its entirety. We um, have made some significant strides to doing so, however. First of all is the use of these techniques to monitor response to therapy. That's very well documented. 
whether that's response to aggressive treatment of statins, that's very well documented by a number, dozens of, of clinical trials where medical imaging whether the more exotic or, or the more mundane variety, such as uh, angiography or uh, ultrasound, that has been convincingly shown. Outcomes data are available for some of those trials, statins in, in particular, where the outcomes and the reduction in major adverse coronary events correlates with documented changes in either angiography or echocardiography or other ultrasound. That's been very well demonstrated. But as far as doing the same for PET with rubidium, for myocardial perfusion combined with CT and CT angiography, we're not quite there yet. Can you talk a little bit about one of the less exotic imaging modalities? Certainly. I think everyone is is familiar with echocardiography, ultrasound, where you place a transducer on a person's chest and you can visualize in real time the functioning of the heart, the opening and closing of the the valves, blood flow, etc. Echo is uh, widely available. It's relatively inexpensive. It's easy to perform. There is uh, no ionizing radiation so it is an incredibly safe technique. And for all of that, it is uh, very sophisticated, and it's performed uh, extensively. Now, interestingly, in the world of echo, there has uh, recently been innovation in the area of uh, diagnostic pharmaceuticals or or contrast agents where stabilized microbubbles are being injected intravenously and being used to uh, assess myocardial perfusion using standard echocardiographic techniques. So this really offers a new capability for echo, one that previously had been the purview of nuclear medicine. Right. That does sound pretty exciting. So with all of these changes, how does a practicing cardiologist or even just a, a lowly internist like myself keep abreast of all of these changes. If they don't have XM radio to listen to this show, what else can they do? There are other venues uh, for continuing medical education, so that certainly is at the the top of the list. Professional societies are a great resource uh, as well, not only for the journals that they publish, but for all of the other information that they make available through their websites and, and Uh, Other publications, conferences are are a great way, uh, or just plain old uh, grand rounds and and speaking with your colleagues. One thing I I should note is that the well-known medical authority of uh, Dr. Oprah Winfrey not so long ago had uh, a show that was focused on uh, cardiac CT. And I think she's uh, really done uh, us all a service by drawing the attention of uh, the the nation to the benefits that cardiac imaging can provide. Mark, what are are medical schools doing? What are academic environments doing to uh, help deal with the changing fields? Obviously, they have limited funds, and they can't all get the the newest gadgets and the funnest toys. No, they can't all get the, the newest gadgets and the funnest toys, but they are still an area of active research and certainly uh, teaching. So the academic medical centers offer preceptorships and special uh, fellowships where 
practicing uh, cardiologists, internists can uh, enroll for a week or, or longer if that's available to you, and you can get a hands-on experience uh, with this uh, new technology. So that's, that's one uh, very important thing that the academic medical centers are doing. Also, the academicians are involved in writing uh, guidelines and, and setting out the requirements that must be met in order for a physician to represent that he or, or she is competent to perform the examinations and, and more importantly, to uh, interpret the results. Well, I want to thank our guest, Dr. Mark Carvlin, for coming on the show today. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.